Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Also say, I mean, Io, you know, I'm, we're over, was over there in worship, and I'm telling you, man, she was hot. She was incredible, and they so loved her. But Nate, you know, our guitar player, Nate, I'm, this kid ripped it up. I mean, I'm not kidding, man. His guitar work, like, freaked me out. He was doing such a good job. Freaking out. I'm seriously. I'm just saying they did a great job. It was really cool. Hallelujah. It was all good. And uh, so, so <laughs> anyhow, that'll work. I don't mind. Anyhow, it was a good time. So we do. I, I want to give thanks, to say the least, for Abby and for Deji for taking those two Sundays. I heard they did a terrible job. And everybody was upset and all this kind of stuff. But no, thank you guys so very much. Uh, it really, I've said it before, but it really means so much to us as pastors when you go away and you know that uh, things are in good hands. That's all I'm trying to say. And we're really, really blessed about that. Also, Judy mentioned those two scriptures about inheritance. And I just felt like I needed to follow up on that because, you know, she finished with the verse when Abraham said, well, how shall I know? How am I going to know? that I'm going to inherit this stuff that you're talking about. And that's those are some of the most crucial scriptures in all the Bible because of what God then next says. He says, in other words, how do you know? How do you guys know that anything God's promised is going to come to pass? And see, that's what Abraham said. And then Abraham said, then God said, he said, bring me a bull, bring me a, a lamb, and bring me two doves. And he cut them all down the middle, remember, and, and made this covenant. And basically, that's God's answer. He said, the way you'll know I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do is because I'm going to make a covenant with you. And he stood in the middle of that blood. He had, men always stood in the middle of the blood where all the curses and all the blessings were said, remember. And then again, God himself came down and says, behold, a smoking furnace and a fiery torch passed between the, those halves of those bull, that bull and the sacrifice. God Almighty himself, the spirit, the manifestation of God, came to earth, walked to and fro through that. And by that, Abraham knew, because everybody in ancient cultures understood covenants and covenants that were messed in blood. And that's how you, just don't ever forget that. I mean, it's something that you really need to study at some point. Blood covenant is possibly one of the most important topics you will ever, ever, ever want to comprehend in Scripture because that's the only way you can correctly interpret Scripture. God does everything based upon his covenants. It's not just a contract. It's something far beyond, far more holy, far more precise than just a contract. And you see, this is what we now have. We have a better covenant, don't we? The Scripture, the Word of God says we have a better covenant than even Abraham had. Because it's based upon better promises. And because it's ratified and certified in the very blood of Jesus Christ himself. Hallelujah. As I stand here today, I think to myself how many years it's taken me to have some semblance of real revelation about how real my God is. And how real Jesus Christ is to me. And I think about different times in my life when it was God. It was just only God that saw me through some of the stuff I went through. And sometimes when I look out at you guys, I know that some of you are very simply very young in the things of God. You still have so many questions. And, uh, you know, you feel like you're being disappointed here and disappointed there. And the fact is, all of us trudge through this life, as it were. But there, if you, all I can say is that if you will stick with it, our God is utterly faithful. I mean, Thessalonians says he is utterly trustworthy, not just a little, utterly. I mean, to the uttermost. He will show himself alive to you. You will be visited. You will have an encounter yourself because God speaks your language. He'll come to you in the way that you need to see him. Because he knows that much about you. He's so intimate as far as his knowledge of each and every one of us. He will show himself alive to you. But the devil's job is to keep you frustrated. Keep you in depression. Oppression. Suppression. Some kind of oppression. 
He just wants you pressed beyond measure. And I mean, you just got to catch yourself quick, man, because that stuff can come on you in a New York second. And you have to learn how to rebuke it and rebuke it quick because that's not who you are. I want you to hear me say this one thing. You are bigger than your problems. You are. You have to be able to always see that I am bigger. I am bigger by virtue of Christ in me. I'm bigger than anything that will ever come against me. I've had death come against me a couple of times. I've had all manner of things come against me. None of it has ever prospered because at the root of my being, there is Christ Jesus and the Holy Ghost. God will not allow me to be destroyed like that. He will not allow you to be destroyed like that either. But it does come down to this old-fashioned principle of, it's called faith. Do we actually believe? And belief, I tell you, like I said, belief is a process. Sometimes you just, some, some people have been blessed where it's just like, bam, they just instantly are changed and they know it in the twinkling of an eye. God is. That wasn't the way it was with me. I had to, I don't know, I had to discover, I had to seek, I had to seek and seek and seek. But, of course, his promise is true, you find. If you're actually seeking, you will find because God's not a man that he can lie. He can't lie. God can't lie. So if you do your part, you're you're guaranteed that God will do his part because it's a covenant made in blood. That our God will never, ever, 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 ever violate. If he could violate his covenant, the earth would cease to exist. It would implode because all the heavens and the earth are being upheld by his word. His word is underneath the planet earth. His word is underneath all uh, the planets of the universe. It's pretty strong. God's word upholds all things. This is why we stay in this book. And this is why God does what he does when you stick with it. And like I said, patience right now, for the last three or four weeks, God's really uh, had me thinking and meditating on patience from a whole different understanding, not just from saying you need to be patient. (laughs) But no, about our entire faith, like I said at the beginning, some of you weren't here. But see, our entire Christian faith is based on, quote, unquote, our eternal faith hope this is not the end i mean but this is our faith we will die everybody in here will die but our eternal hope is thank god through faith christ has redeemed us we are saved we now possess eternal life and we will live with him forever in the deepest state of ecstasy Ecstasy beyond anything that humanity can describe. And see, that's got to be at the center of your being. My eternal hope. Whatever happens here, I've got the eternity of the eternities to try to keep up with the incredible blessing in life and overcoming ecstasy that's going to be upon me every ounce, every day, every minute second to the point that you feel like you're going to explode. Like I told you about D.L. Moody saying that he had so much joy that he had to beg God to withhold his hand lest he die. I still love that. That's one of my favorite stories. I mean, I just keep thinking, I mean, I, you know, to have so much joy, you're going, stop, stop. I'm going to die. Stop. You know, just stop. I can't take no more joy. But can you, it's easy to share the story, but can you imagine that actually happening to you? You know, <laughs> everybody thinking you're flat out nuts or mad, but there's just so much joy. See, we have no comprehension how big our God is. And how good our God is. And that's this whole thing. We've got, you know, I love reading in this book how Jesus says that we might also be filled with his gladness. And that just really speaks to me lately. Oh, no, Jesus was glad. And uh, he wants you and I filled with his gladness. Hallelujah. Hi. So anyhow, praise God. I'm barely awake, forgive me. We landed on Friday, but we, Julie and I, have not slept good, to say the least, last night. So we're kind of... So I'm used to preaching when people fall asleep, but if I fall asleep up here, you guys just carry on like it's the Holy Spirit causing us to be quiet for a while, okay? Oh, Father, we do so 
appreciate your patience with us. You are long-suffering. You're simply not willing, and I love that. You're not willing that any of us perish. Therefore, none of us are going to perish because we wouldn't be in this room this morning if there was any hope of us perishing. And you got to think that through. We're here, Father, because something in us recognizes the supernatural realm of heaven. Something in us knows there's a whole lot more than what's happening in this earth. You've revealed something to us. We don't understand it all yet. But we sense, we, we understand, we know in our heart, in our, in our believer, this part of us that believes. We know that there's something bigger. And we've come to know that it is you, the Almighty, and your Son, Jesus Christ. And your Holy Spirit, which you love us so much you've left to be with us and in us. So, Father, this morning, I do thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and brings understanding. And I do thank you, Father, for your eternal hand that's upon us for good. And I do thank you, Father, that there's not one of us that's been commissioned to fail. Because you literally have no plan for failure. There's no failure in heaven, and heaven's in us. So there's no failure in us. I thank you, Father, again. This is why we need the eyes of our understanding to be flooded with light. We need to set our hope on the eternal glory. We need to keep our minds set on those things that are above and not these things that are beneath. And that's quite a job because we're surrounded by this world. We're in this world. But you said we are to know that we are not of it any longer. We are now your children. We're children of the supernatural, the scripture says. I am a child of the supernatural. Everyone in here is named the name of Jesus Christ. Are children of the supernatural. They're no longer natural men or natural women. They've actually won the race already. Hallelujah. So we thank you, Father, that you strengthen us with might by your spirit in our inner man, so that we might walk worthy of you and all good pleasing, and that we might increase in the knowledge of who you are and what you've done. So I give you praise for it, and I receive it in Jesus' name. And I welcome your spirit of wisdom and revelation in this room. Right now, right now, by faith, I welcome the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to flow. That you'll touch people. You'll bring understanding. You'll bring insight. You'll bring life because that's all you do. That's all you've got. You've got nothing but life, love, and freedom. So, Father, we receive your great grace. We open our ears to heaven. We open the heart, the eyes of our heart to you in Jesus' name. Amen. The last uh, couple of weeks, God's had me just read over and over and again. I would suggest it to you guys too. Just John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. And he kept telling me, he said, this is my son's last conversation before he went to the cross. And he said, I want you to just keep reading it for a season. He said, because of what it will do for your soul and do for your spirit. So I can tell you it's really, really benefited me. Uh, just because, again, that scripture I quote often is true. The entrance of God's word brings light. It brings understanding to the simple. God's word brings light and understanding. So anyhow, I'm going to read some of it. Just like, Of course, I can't do it all, but I may do it. Like I said, Julie will speak next week. But after that, I think I might go through the rest of the chapters. But right now, the first verse I want to start with is in uh, Colossians. Actually, I want to read just Colossians from verse through chapter 3, Colossians 3. Um, and then verse um, Colossians it's tough for me because Ephesians, Colossians, Romans are my favorite books I could just read the whole book and be happy all by myself Colossians 3 look, look at verse 16 first it simply says this Paul says let the word spoken by Christ the Messiah have its home in your heart and mind just capture that phrase. Just capture that phrase. What's Paul's trying to communicate? Let the word. 
spoken by Christ, the Messiah, have its home in your heart. Let it live there and let it live in your mind. And may it dwell in you all, all its richness as you teach and admonish and train one another in all insight and intelligence and wisdom and spiritual things. And as you sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody to God with his grace in your heart. I, I need to teach on that a fair some more. Have you ever just thought about that? We're all to be singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to one another. You know, I really appreciate Cynthia. You know, she's got this grace on her when on Sunday she'll come up and God will give her something. It takes courage for her to do that. But, you know, those things are not to be considered small things. When the Lord wants to sing something to somebody, God help us. There's some people that got a voice that sound like a choked frog. You know, but God loves us. He wants those words. I'm not saying you do, girl. I didn't say that. Don't hit me. I don't want your husband to beat me up. No, but I'm simply saying there's so much truth in this. We have all this stuff that God has told us that we really don't follow through enough on. Speaking to yourself. It says to speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Sing to yourself. But anyhow, let the word spoken by Christ the Messiah have its home in your heart. Have its home in your heart. Now let's turn back to John 13, about the half of the half of the uh, chapter. I'll tell you where in a minute. Sorry, this is weird doing it like this. That's all right. John 13, of course. You remember I've taught from John 13 many times because of the, when I teach the love walk. Because the very first verse of John 13, we're not doing that one. But I really, you know, these are very poignant statements here in the next three chapters. Much less the 17th chapter where Jesus actually prays for his disciples, prays for us. It literally says he prays for us, those who will believe the word that the apostles bring, which we have. But you got to think about it again. John 13, 1 says, Jesus, knowing that the time had come for him to leave this world and return him to the Father, having loved his only, loved him to the last and to the highest degree. What's possessing, remember, Christ's mind at this time is I am about to go. Like I always share when I come to that, I always say, think about, put yourself in the position. If you somehow knew that you had 72 hours of life left on planet Earth, what would you share with those that you love the most? I mean, I doubt if you'd, you know, mess around with a lot of trivia because this is it. But particularly if you're the one that's in authority, and again, you want these people, these 12 are going to take over his job, his mission, aren't they? And he's delegating. He's delegating his entire mission to these 12 men. One of them's going to betray him. One of them already has, basically, by this time. And think about it. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, forever I will be astounded by it because I think when Jesus does this thing and he washes their feet, remember, and he says, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will later. And I, I love that. I could preach on that every Sunday because to me it's astounding because when you think of everything, these apostles walked with him for three and one half years. And remember the last verse in John 21 says, had we written all the things that we'd witnessed about that God, that Jesus did, we do not suppose that the world itself would be able to contain the books, the volume. In other words, they saw so much. They saw so much miraculous. They heard incredible teaching by the Son of God. God manifested in the flesh for three and a half years. I mean, think about it. And yet, in some places, they were, they were that close to God. And in some places, they still make some of the dumbest statements on planet Earth. I mean, dumb as a rock sometimes. You can be that close to God and still be dumb as a rock. God help us all. Hallelujah. But this, this truth, the Jesus of all the examples. Remember, I mean, I always say... You know, if I was a disciple, I would have said, show me, I don't know, like, this, how do you do this multiplying the, multiplying the food, you know, where you feed, you know, 12,000 people with five little loaves and two fish, you know, how? Tell me about Lazarus. I want to know more about raising the dead or moving in the gifts of the Spirit, prayer, prophecy, and all this stuff. But of all the examples Christ our Lord could have left them, he washes their feet and says, this is the example. Now think about that. What that you know, the Son of God of anything and everything he could have 
communicated to those who really are going to be his followers and going to carry forward the mission. He says, this is the example that what I've done to you, so you should do to one another. It's your duty, you're under obligation, you owe it to do it to one another, to serve one another. That's the heartbeat of what Christian faith is all about. Even, you know, any of us that are in a position of ministry, this is, this is a position of authority, but above all, it's supposed to be a, a, a commission to, of service. We are here, we're supposed to be here to serve you, to empower you, so that you can do what God's called you to do. And this is why it's really important. Nobody here is a hotshot. You do give honor to whom honors do. All of that is true. But the point is, Jesus gave this example, Okay. But anyhow, so it's poignant to me because, like I said, these next, the rest of John 13 and 14, 15, and 16, like I said, they're all this discussion that they have after Judas leaves the Last Supper and goes out to begin the betrayal of Christ in reality. And so I, I don't know, when you just read these words, like I said, the Lord kept saying, this is my son's last conversation. With his disciples, he said, I want you to read this last conversation over and over again. So I'm going to start here. This is just like expository teaching. I'm not going to, I don't think it'll bring any dynamic whatever. Yes, it will, because it's God's word. Now I'm going to go now to John chapter 13. I'm going to go all the way down to verse um, verse 31. John Thirteen thirty-one. This is Jesus is referring to the fact that Jesus has just got up and left the table. So when he'd left, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified. Now he has achieved his glory, his honor, his exaltation, and God has been glorified through and in him. Three and a half years he's been here. And if God is glorified through and in him, God will also glorify him in himself. And he will glorify him at once and not delay. Dear little children, looking at the disciples, I am to be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, you're not able to come where I'm going. But I give you a new commandment, that you should love one another just as I have loved you, just as, just as, just as I have loved you, so you too should love one another because it's going to be by this love that men will recognize that you're one of my disciples, right? I mean, that's, this is why I teach the love walk more than anything else. The only thing he says that will indicate that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ is by love. The God kind of love flowing in you, to you, through you. God is love. Therefore, God is possibly pretty spiritually mature. Therefore, love is the greatest expression of spiritual maturity that there can be. Hear what I just said? His love, his kind, not the world's kind. Agape, God's kind, not emotional junk. But, you know, and he says this over and over again in the next few chapters. He repeats it over and over again to his disciples, guys. This is the commandment. Love one another. Four or five verses later, guys, this is the commandment. It's a commandment. Remember the definition of the word commandment. It is a decree or a declaration from which there is no retreat. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. So I'm going to love you even when you're ugly to me. Just like you do all those people. You know, you love everybody, don't you? You love everybody. You're instant to forgive. You always show kindness and grace. You never hold a grudge. Amen? Amen. Amen. I can see the holiness radiating off of each and every one of you. It is by this that they shall know. The world, the world will know. That you're a disciple of mine. If you love one another. If you keep on showing love among yourselves. Simon Peter said to him. Lord where are you going? Jesus answered. You're not able to follow me now. Where I'm going. But you shall follow me afterwards. And he sure did. Peter said to him. Lord why cannot I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus. Can you imagine the look in his eyes. When he turns to Peter. And he says. Um, 
Will you really lay down your life for me? I assure you, Pete, most solemnly, i got to tell you, before a rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Chapter 14, verse 1. Do not, everybody say do not. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I wonder if he meant that. Think about what's about to come. His crucifixion and what they're going to go through. But see, this is still something that Jesus Christ says to every one of us because he knows this is what assaults us. Often, so often it's embarrassing. We get so agitated by something or other. We lose hope. We faint in our mind. We want to run backward. We want to give up. We want to run away. But God knows that. But he tells us interestingly, he says, guys, do not, in other words, see what's being said here in the Greek is, you and I have to give permission to be agitated. Because we turn more of our focus on the issue than on the one who's on the inside of us, the person of Christ Jesus. This is why I said you're bigger than your problems. You are bigger. Never ever fall for the lie of the devil that says, tries to continue to harangue you and tell you that this stuff is too big for me. This temptation was too strong. This trial was too big. There's no such thing. That's a lie. Because God is faithful. I said, because God is faithful. The Bible says he abides faithful. You know what it means? It means his home is faithfulness. It means the city he lives in is called faithfulness. Let's go to faithfulness. That's what you do when you go to God. But do not let your hearts be troubled, distressed, agitated. He said, you believe on God, believe also on me. In my father's house, he said, guys, there's, there are many dwelling places. There's homes. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm actually, one of the things I'm going away to do, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go and make ready a place for you, please know I'm going to come back and take you back to that self, that, that place, so that where I am, you may be also. See, that's my future. Amen. And that's your future. You must have faith in your future. Otherwise, you will faint in your mind about today. You really, you see, you've got to think on what I'm saying a little bit harder than you're doing right this second. Your peace of mind, that state of peace where Paul said in Colossians, let peace be the umpire, settling with finality all questions, all, all, all questions that would arise in your mind. He said peace is the umpire. So we're not to lose our peace, but the truth is we all lose our peace at times because we allow we let ourselves get distressed and agitated. I didn't say it wasn't tough. I didn't say I still don't get agitated. Are you kidding me? I got agitated last night on two jive dogs. I want to rest. And these two jive dogs are so happy to see Julian and I again. They're <coughs> all over us in the bed. And I can't, I barely sleep. My dogs, I was thinking about barbecuing both of them today. No. But my wife will not let me do that. And he will go shim. <laughs> Might take I might taste good because I came back with some really good barbecue sauce from Puckett's restaurant in Franklin, Tennessee. I mean to tell you, I brought back some barbecue sauce that'll make your make your tongue want to slap your forehead goodbye. I'm gonna numb good. A little bit on bow, a little bit of a sorry, I'll keep going. And if I go, I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna come back. He's going to bring every one of you to himself that you may be where he is. Verse 4, he says, and to the place where I'm going, he said, you know the way. Now think about it, but the disciples, the disciples again, they're thinking earth instead of thinking heaven. And Thomas said, Thomas, you've got to love Thomas. You know, he's, he's a trip. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? We don't know how to get to where you're going. And, of course, Jesus said to him this incredible statement. He said, Thomas, you're asking what the way is. How do you get to me? He said, I am the way. You know, I, I, am, I am. I am the way. 
And he said, beyond that, I am the truth and I'm the light. He says, just understand, no one will come to the Father except by and through me. Nobody. Nobody. You see, he is the way to every situation in your life. He is the truth. Truth is anointed. All lies are not, but truth is anointed. Anointings break Anointings break yokes. Anointings break chains. Truth will always win out. A lie will fall by the side at some point. A lie, it says a false, a false witness only lasts for a while. But when truth comes out, and truth always will come out, this is why it's really a good thing to be honest with God. Didn't you think, you know, some people think God doesn't understand what they're doing. Some people think God doesn't know. I mean, give me a break. This is why when you realize how much he loves you, you need to know how much he loves you because otherwise the devil will tell you to be afraid of God and when you mess up, you won't run to him, you'll run from him. Yeah. And that's exactly bass backwards, as my daddy used to say. Don't get angry at me about that statement. Just backwards, that's not how it works. So Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Now he said, if you, if you had known me, if you'd really learned to recognize me, you would also have known my father. From now on, you will know him, and you've seen him. Philip says, Lord, well, show us the father. Cause us to see the father. That's all we ask. Then we shall be satisfied. Jesus goes, have I been with all of you for so long a time, and you still don't recognize and know me yet, Philip? Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say then show us the Father? And see, catch what that really refers to. If you want to know, this is one of the most basic statements in Christianity, but if you want to know how God acts, how God thinks, you go to the life of Jesus because he's the manifestation in the flesh of God himself. This is how Jesus thinks about you. It's wonderful when you see like a woman caught in the act of adultery. Jesus, there's no condemnation in God. The condemnation doesn't come from heaven. It comes from someplace else. He's not the author of it. And all the things you need to see, that how does God love me? This is how. He's patient. He's long-suffering. All this stuff. So as Jesus said, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say then shows the Father? Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and that the Father is in me? What I'm telling you, I'm not saying on my own authority and on my own accord, but the Father who lives continually in me, he's the one doing his works, his own miracle and deeds of power. See, Jesus says himself, I'm not the one that's doing these miracles. And you've got to catch that because that's something you've got to get through your thick head. You do not have the power to heal a flea. Jesus, remember, had stripped himself of all Godhead nature whatsoever. And you remember every miracle he did, he did as the son of man, not the son of God. See, you are a son or a daughter of man. But just like Jesus, most of you, I would say the great percentage is not, not 100% of you, you are filled with the same Holy Spirit that Jesus operated through. Is that right or is that wrong? Is it right or wrong? It's the truth. Truth brings freedom. Truth brings liberty. That's the truth. This is Christianity 101, so don't fall asleep on me. I know that you're willing. You know, I like to, I can't wait. I've got a lot of American football games taped that I have to watch. You know, that, so I know that some of you are excited about watching whatever sports are on today. Isn't that amazing? England, the World Cup rugby. I like rugby, I tell you. I had to laugh. They had a picture that they had a picture of all the out all the uh, um, kit that American football players wear wear you know I mean they had this big old thing and from up here this protection this protection this protection this protection this protection this all the stuff all the way down to thigh pads and knee pads and the pads back here I used to play I mean all these pads but now it's so I mean tons and tons of stuff and it had this big picture of all this equipment then it said rugby player and the only thing it showed was a mouthpiece. <laughs> I cracked up. It's the truth. Anyhow, 
Watch what Jesus says here in verse 11. Because again, see, it's easy to say, yeah, because most of us can quote this. But this is what I'm saying. What do we really believe? You know, this is why we continue to, like I said, let the word, of, let the message of Christ dwell in us richly. You keep going to this. You keep, because listen, whether you like it or not, faith does come by hearing. We all need to be stronger in faith. We all know how to be intentional with our faith. We all need to know more about what it really means to release faith. Faith is the currency that causes exchange between heaven and earth. Remember that. That's not a light thing. Jesus said in verse 11 again, Believe me that I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me. Or else, believe me for the sake of the very works themselves, all these miracles and stuff. If you cannot trust me, at least let these works that I do in my Father's name convince you. And then he brings out this incredible statement. He said, I assure you, and that's the Amplified made because the Greek words are so strong. I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, if Denise steadfastly believes, if Deji steadfastly believes, if Annie steadfastly believes, if Abby steadfastly believes, if Julie and Rod steadfastly believe, if you steadfastly believe in Jesus, he will himself, the person who steadfast, you will be able, you will be able, you will be able. Jesus, this is a promise. He said, if you believe in me, You'll be able to do the very same works that I do. That's like raising the dead. You'll be able to do, and he said, in greater things will you do because I go to the Father. Now, everybody, there's still these discussions in theological services of things about people say, well, it means even bigger than what he does. It mean bigger. It means more than. It just simply means greater things are going to be done because whereas there was one man filled with the Holy Ghost, now... There are tens of hundreds of thousands of us that are full of the same spirit. But see, you need to keep thinking this. See, I don't care what your experience has been. You don't interpret scripture through personal experience. You interpret scripture through what the word of God says. You right now, if you're filled with God's spirit, are able to do all that Jesus did. Now that's profound when you really stop and go, what? Because the first thought that most of us have, 99% of us have, well, that was Jesus. I am not Jesus. Well, remember, Jesus didn't do it through his humanity. He did it through the Holy Ghost. You've got the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. You see, this is stuff, as you grow in Christ, you need, to, like you've heard me say, man, I have to, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself who you are. I'm serious. Just as corny as that sounds, when you're alone, just get and shut the bathroom door. If you live with people or whatever, rooming or whatever, married, it doesn't make any difference. Close the door, look in the mirror, and tell yourself who you are. Tell yourself to wake up to who you are. What does it really mean? Rod, you're a child of God. Rod, you're filled with the same spirit Christ is filled with. Rod, you can do the same works Jesus did. In fact, he wants you to. But you have to get beyond yourself. Yourself gets in my way a lot, the Father says. Yourself does. But there's too many people that have walked this walk and have had the supernatural daily in their life for us to say it doesn't work that way. Again, you have to understand Satan works overtime, big time overtime, to keep us thinking little of ourselves and not daring to believe that we are who Christ says we are now that we're in him and he's in us. I mean, that's what all of John 17 is prayers about. We're in him. He's in us. I, I've read that all these years, and I still look at it and go, uh, okay, sometime. You know what I mean? But the lights are coming on now more and more and more. It's this thing, but you have to keep at it. I'm telling you, this is why I cannot afford to miss a day in his word. I can't miss a day because that voice out there is so flipping loud through just stuff that's going on and what's going on. I mean, it, 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 it's talking. You're hearing something every day. 
and faith comes by hearing. If, even the negative stuff, you, you'll have faith in the opposite. You will have faith in the wrong stuff just because that's what you're constantly hearing. That's why you have to have those times where you say, I'm giving my ears to God. I'm going to give my attention to Him. I mean, that's only if you, unless you, you know, really look forward to failure. But I don't think anybody in here is planning to fail, looking forward to it. But see, He can only, we're co-laborers with Him. He's, he needs our cooperation. And He's put in the book what to do. He said, come to me. He said, meditate on my word. He said, to think on this thing. Think on these things that are pure, lovely, honest, just, and a good report. Don't think about anything else. He wouldn't tell us that if we couldn't do it. Like I said, I've been so gloriously blessed in the last 18 months, two years, to finally got to the place where I realized how quickly I can cast down wrong thoughts. I could care, you know, because I've absolutely woken up to the recognition that bad thoughts aren't me. I don't think bad thoughts. But little devils and demons, you know, they fly around and they'll throw something at you. But I said, but now I know. And I said, get out of here. That's not me. That's not who I am. I'm a holy man. I'm a man of God. That's what you have to do. I'm a woman of God. I'm a man of God. That's not me. I reject that thinking in the name of Jesus. I assure you, most solemnly tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, he will himself be able to do the things that I do. And he will do even greater things than these because I go to the Father. And I will do. What do you do with verses like this? I will do. I myself will grant whatever. Just say whatever. Whatever. Say it again. Whatever. I will do whatever. <laughs> I don't know what you think whatever includes. Because again, your religious brain that part of you that's religious will go to work. Jesus says this over and over again in John 15 and John 16. And he goes, I will do, I myself will grant whatever you ask in my name. And this is wonderful and amplified again. It says, as presenting all that I am. See, the name of Jesus contains all that God is. The Old Testament there's called the seven revelatory names of God. You know, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rama, Jehovah Shama, Jehovah Sidkenu, all those Jehovah names. But in Zechariah, it says, in that day, he's prophesying of the day you and I live, and he says, in that day, my name shall be one. He says, all the redemptive revelations of Jehovah God are going to be immersed into one name, Jesus. That's why that name has to really means something to you. It's not something you throw around like a lucky rabbit's foot. It contains the fullness of God. But see, your heart needs to have the revelation of that. It's like I, when I teach on prayer, I share often what God said to me all those many years ago. He said, the moment from your heart you speak, you come in the name of Jesus, all of heaven stands at attention to hear what your next words are going to be. And I will do, my, I myself will grant whatever you ask in my name as presenting all that I am. Now watch why. So that the Father may be glorified. Extolled in and through the Son. Now you got to hear this. All of answered prayer is about God being glorified. God wants you prosperous so that the Father can be glorified when people look at you. God wants you healthy that the Father might be glorified. God wants you of a sound mental state because that way the Father will be glorified. And whether you like it or not, God does want you to live well because that's how the Father gets glorified. We, again, what do you do? The verses are categorically, even when it comes to Israel, remember it's categorically clear in Romans 11, we're to make the Jews jealous. People don't like it when you say it just like that. But that's what Paul said. We... The Jewish nation, God's chosen people, are to look at us and become jealous because all the promises of God that they've studied are coming to pass in our lives. Yeah. And it's only when we're living to that level that God's word says that's when the consummation of all things will come. Because we will have done our job until all of we are gathered and until Israel actually sees all these promises. This is why you don't just sit back. We have a duty. 
before God to be blessed. We have a duty. It's our duty to be blessed. It's not just our hope. It's our duty to be a people that are blessed, that carry around joy, that carry around peace. When there's no reason for peace, that carry around this stuff. It's our duty because it's part of what makes that the lost look at God. When they see again, it's not many wise, it's not many this. It's God chooses. He absolutely intentionally chooses. He said those things that are ignoble to blow the mind of those who are noble. You know what I mean? So it's not about your education. It's about our faith. Will you believe? Only believe. What? This is the work. I mean, that statement, Christ. This is the work that you believe on him and the Father sent. My, my job is just, will you just give up and believe and say, I believe. And again, though, like I said, your head is full of all the reasonings. Because like you've heard me say many times, but you've got to say it all the time, we've been trained, 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 even by earthly educational systems, we've been trained to reason everything out. And of course, he gave us a brain so that we could make simple and, you know, important, necessary decisions. But when it comes to the things of God, you don't believe in it because you understand it. You believe in it because he said it. Yes, verse 14, I will grant. I myself will do for you whatever you shall ask in my name. Well, thank you, Lord. Help us believe that. As presenting all that I am. If you really love me, guys, he said, this is the, you're going to keep my commands. You're going to follow my instruction. That's not a harsh statement. Just understand the way we show God we love him is because we simply we follow his instructions, follow his message. Verse 16, he said, and when you do that, I will ask the Father. And, of course, he's going to, he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, stand by, that he may remain with you forever. And he's done that. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive or welcome or take to its heart because it doesn't see him. It doesn't know how to recognize him. But you know and recognize him. You know why? Because, guys, he's going to live with you constantly, and he's going to be in you. See, he's in you. Help us. This is what every day you should just talk like a, a little son or a daughter to your dad. Daddy, help me recognize your spirit. Help me recognize what you're saying. I need, I want to know your voice. And he'll always say, well, be still. He'll always say, be still. And that's the way you'll know. You can't have a cluttered mind and hope to really hear often from God's spirit. This is where you have to make yourself personal places of consecration, where you are alone. No TV, not even worship music, nothing. You have to learn how to be comfortable with silence. And a lot of people freaks them out. I got to have noise. I got to have noise. It blows my mind today when you see students, even like my granddaughter Kelsey, you know, or you know, or Jaden, my grandson, when when they're you know they're studying, they're doing their homework, and they got this noise just zapping, this music is you know, even Christian stuff, you know. And I mean, my, I don't know how you can how I don't know how. I mean, you know, when I was in school, when I was in college, what I mean, you know, I, 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 I tried to now Bible says apply your heart and mind to understanding. I had to take a, I did not need to be disturbed when you're trying to work out Boolean algebra analytic calculus type stuff, which I didn't go very far in, thank God. I would have been totally messed up if I would have kept going with that. But I mean, anyhow, be still. He said, "You, I will send you. He said, if you really love me, and I'm going to ask the Father, he's going to send you the spirit of truth whom the world can't receive. Verse 18, he said, I'm not. Just don't ever think I'm going to leave you like an orphan, comfortless or desolate or bereaved or foreign. I will come back. He's coming back. He's coming back. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. He's coming back. He said, I'm, I'm coming back. Just a little while now, and you see, the world will not see me anymore, but you'll see me because I live. You're going to live also. At that time, when that day comes, you will know for yourselves that I am in the Father. This is what we need to know, that Jesus is in the Father, and you're in me, and that I'm in you. Jesus is in you. 
The fullness of the Godhead bodily is in you now. God, help us see that. What if we started walking like that? I mean, this is the hope of heaven toward us. Verse 21, the person who has my commands and keeps repeating himself and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him. And look at this promise. I too will love you and I will show, I will reveal, I'll manifest myself to you. I will let myself be clearly seen by you. I'll make myself real to you. Isn't that what we all want? I said, isn't that what we all want? Yes. Shh, hush up, young man. <laughs> no, but that's, that's what I'm after. I've got glimpses thus far in my life. I've had no open vision yet like this, like some have had. But I've had glimpses. I've had enough to so feed my hope, my curiosity, that it just drives me. Really, sometimes I have to be careful not to. But see, I have a promise here. He said... You know, all I got to do is keep following his instructions. And last night I was reading something and I just saw this simple little illustration. I can't do it right. I should think it out first for sure. But I just saw like this river, this flow. And I kept hearing the words, just stay in alignment. Stay within the boundaries of this river. Just stay here. And I saw like a template. And he said, just learn to recognize when it's fitting my template and when it isn't. And he said, just keep going this way. And he said, Every once in a while, you'll do this. You'll veer off. But he said, it's okay. Just recognize it. Come back in. And I'm just saying, all of us, you see, we'll, we'll waver because we're still flesh. We'll waver from the full instruction of what Christ said. Don't panic about your wavering. Just know that just like you went out, you can come back in. And just immediately catch yourself. Repent. Come back in. whatever, And just see, it's all about being in alignment with heaven. He is withholding no good thing. From those who walk uprightly before him. Do, do you believe that? Yeah. He withholds no good thing. I'll give you whatever. Whatever. I could care less. Like I said, brand new car, brand new house. You've got to see that. Like God spoke to me about that car thing when all these guys took me out, like I said, a couple of months ago. Do you think a brand new house it means zip? I mean, is that something that God just really, well, my, you guys are. I mean, you understand to him, it's, it's just nothing. Stuff. I said this that time way back then, but still it resounds, it resounds in my soul. Stuff to God is nothing. You're everything. You're the thing. You're the one. You're, you are what carries value in heaven's sight. You. Your spirit. But see, he could care less about a new car. I mean, it's just like a piece of lint to God. I mean, you know, put to us, it can be this incredible pursuit and that's it can't be that brand new house husband a wife i want a husband i want a wife i want a boyfriend i want a girlfriend i want a dog i want a cat i want a house whatever you want whatever it is see that can't be it we'll put it this way if that is foremost in your heart then there will be delays because he's got to get you back in alignment i i am to be the center I'm first. I am Almighty God. I am your Father. Just follow my instructions. And everything will come into order. I guarantee you, everything begins to come into order when you simply do your best to follow. Well, there's some things we make mistakes because we just don't know it's a mistake. But there's some things we make mistakes and we know we're making a mistake. But either way, God's grace and love is so immense It'll say, okay, you blew it, come back in. Or else it'll show you, oops, and you'll find it, you'll all of a sudden go, oh, wow, I shouldn't have done that. That wasn't really God's great desire for me. And you turn, so you come back. But the point is just come back. Don't live in 14 years of condemnation because you didn't do something right. But he said, I'll do all this. Then he goes down there and he says again, I love that though. I will let myself be clearly seen by him. That's my goal. Father, that, you, that I might be able to clearly see you, that you will make yourself real to me. Judas, not a scary, asked him, Lord, how is it? Now, I'm going to stop here in just a minute. Like I said, I'll continue on in a couple of Judas, not a scary, asked him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself, make yourself real to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if a person really loves me, he, said, he keeps coming back to this. He said, 
the way I know that you love me is because you'll keep in my word. You'll keep in my instructions. You'll keep in my teaching. I see some of you right now, you're bored with hearing that. And I'm sorry. I'm not very sorry, but I'm sorry. I don't care how bored you are. That's the solution. I said that's the solution. You open this book every day. Every day. Every day. He's going to say in John uh, 15 about being pruned. He said, you need but God, whomever God loves, he prunes. But then he said in verse 3, he said, but you're pruned already by the word which I've spoken to you. I'm already pruned and I'm being pruned, but he prunes you. He prunes you so that you bear more fruit. But the way he prunes us is through keeping ourselves in God's word because the word cuts off all the dross. It keeps you cleansed. And then again, he says again, like I said, 23, Jesus answered, if a person really loves me, he will keep my word. He'll obey my teaching. And he's then, well, he keeps saying this, but again, he's trying to get us to really read this. And he said, if you'll do that, my father's going to love you. And we, Father and I, we're going to come to you and we're going to actually make our home with you. What? See, again, I don't even know if you, you're not actually here now. God the Father and Jesus the Son says, we'll actually come and make our home with you. What would you do if you woke up tomorrow and you're in some weird situation? All you know is a car pulls up and this guy gets out all dressed in his super cool three-piece suit and says, the queen is coming to live with you. Now, you say, well, that'll never happen. The queen is coming to live with you. Well, not, not, you'd Actually, the first thing women would do is freak out about cleaning their house. Or whatever, the men would just probably faint and say, "I'm going on a trip." I don't. But you know, but think about this. He said, "You, I do not see. I'm sorry. I'm just. I can't help. Maybe it's jet lag. I don't. I, 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 I choose to believe this. These words. I simply call me dumb. I don't care. I choose to believe this. I don't understand it. But like I told you before, I've become very comfortable with not having full comprehension." I don't care about that. I choose to believe it. He said, if I just keep following him, he and the Father will come make their home with me. That makes me smile. Because I know he's good, altogether good. So I know if he's going to live with me, things are going to be cool. I don't know if he likes to watch football or not. But, you know, we'll find out. (laughs) Hallelujah. You know, but seriously, do you understand that God likes to play with his children? So many people miss that aspect, too. It upsets a lot of religious minds. God likes to play with you. He likes playtime. God likes playtime. doesn't all have to be super spiritual. I mean, he'll just play with you. God likes to play with you. He'll make you laugh. God will make you laugh. I'm telling you. He'll do that most times just by showing you you. Yeah, like to show you what how what he sees, and you got to just laugh and crack up because you realize, oh my God, and you still love me. He goes, oh yeah, I'm always going to love you. I adore you. That's more than enough. But I mean, he likes to play. It upsets religious mind. You can always recognize a religious spirit because they do. They get upset when people just act a little strange. And you know, sometimes listen, if God plays with you, you 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 will look funny at times. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. I do. Some of us may. A couple of us may. He's a dad. He's a dad. I love playing with Anna. I love playing with Jamie. I don't know. Deji, do you like playing with Kellen at all? I mean, does anybody in here have children and like them? I mean, Annie, did you ever like playing with that girl when she was a little bitty baby girl? Did you ever go, oh, is he kitty kitty? And did she ever do silly things? You still do? I know. Still does silly, goofy things. And you say, oh, I love you. I love you. They fall over. They poop their drawers. I love you. I love you. Kissy, kissy, kissy. But see, that's how real Abba is. See, God. Some people only ever see him as God. Almighty God. But the whole change from that covenant to this covenant is encrusted. It's in concrete in this situation. Now we've received the spirit of adoption. 
And something happens in our heart where we shift from, oh, God, to dad, daddy. So you can say that, that I see that it says daddy, but that doesn't mean it's, it's hitchy yet. He's my dad. Everything's changed. I'm no longer a servant. I'm a friend, but I'm far more than a friend. I'm a son. I live in his household. But anyhow, this is part and parcel of what it means to let the word of God, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. This is his last conversation. I'm going to stop right now because we could go on and on and on, but I think it's time to stop this morning. But please, do yourself a favor. Choose to believe that what God says about you is true. That's all I'm asking. You don't have to believe me. I always quote Acts 17.11 ever since I was principal of that Bible school all those years ago. Acts 17.11 is where Paul said that those in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with readiness of mind. But they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So I've always told people, you, you don't have the right to actually believe anything I say. You should go home, look at the scriptures for yourself. You know, in conferences, you know how many people take incredible notes in conferences and never look at the note again? See, that makes me laugh. I was taught to study. And the way I was taught to study is I read a book once, then I read the same book the second time, and I outlined every chapter. Every paragraph has a central thought. The small might be small, it might be profound. And I would always have a book next to me, and I'd simply write down that. I was taught to read, like, you know, the, the Gospels and to memorize one point out of every chapter. In other words, when I think Mark 5, I instantly think of the woman with the issue of blood. Mark 4, I instantly think of the sower sows the seed, things like that. And you can do that real easily. Just read. See, read. We talked about intentionally. Read the Scripture with, uh, with a plan. Not just skim it. See, sit down and say, I'm going to read the book of Mark today. And I'm going to have a little pad of paper there. And I'm simply going to write down one or two things that I see in Mark 1. One or two things I see in Mark 2 and so on. And I'm telling you, the lights will begin to come on. Because that's meditation and studying the word. The Holy Ghost will bless you. You'll begin to have comprehension, not just a thought of it. Stuff will begin to come alive. You'll have far more opportunities to have rhemas. A true rhema where God will speak to you personally about something because you've been faithful to put the word of God in your heart. He rewards those who does what? Diligently seek. He does not reward casual inquirers. I'm going to go take a nap. Father, I give you thanks for this people. This is the beautiful people. These are people that you love. And I thank you that you hear my prayers. If nothing else, you hear my prayers and my wife's prayers. We pray for, and I'm not saying this for their attention. But Father, we pray for every one of these people. Every, every single person that comes to this CCF outfit. And I thank you, Father, that they're going to grow in grace. They're going to grow in faith. I thank you. I proclaim your redemption over every single one of them every day. They are redeemed from sickness and disease. They are redeemed from poverty and lack. They're redeemed from spiritual death. They're redeemed from confusion. They have a clear mind. They're good thinkers. And I thank you, Father, that they're going to flow into more and more and more of the intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ until they have the revelation that they are filled with the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I thank you that they come alive to the fact that from the fullness of Jesus Christ, they have all received grace upon grace. Oh, God, so I bless this people. I thank you. There will be a true awakening. I thank you, and I say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Awaken us to who we are in you. Awaken us to who we are in you. That every individual know they're so much bigger than that issue. They're so much bigger than that problem. Thank you, Father. They really begin to say that every day. I'm bigger than this. I am bigger than this. I am bigger than this. This is not going to keep me down. I'm going to keep my eyes lifted to heaven. I'm going to let the word of Christ dwell in me richly. 
Hallelujah. Because I believe my Lord. I believe my God. He said, all I have to do is walk in your instruction. And you said over and over again, ask then, ask then, ask whatever you will. I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. Sure I will. Of course I will. So, Father, we give you thanks. And again, we just thank you for your incredible patience with each and every one of us. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Receive. Put your hands to heaven. Just receive. Just as a little act of faith. Put your hands to heaven and say, Father, I receive these truths. Say it out loud to yourself. Close your eyes. Let your ears hear you. Nothing. Faith comes incredibly quick when your ears hear your mouth speaking God's word. But you have to learn how to receive. You must learn how to receive. Father, I receive these promises. I receive these promises. I will not go to my grave having not had a visitation with you. Hallelujah. I will see your destiny for my life come to pass. Amen. Say that. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 